Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. How many have ever, how many have ever come to a place in your life where you said, it wasn't my fault? Show of hands, let's, this is the time of confession. Uh, you, you know, some of you are lying, so at the end we do this invitation so you can get your heart right, and you just come on down and we'll do that. You, you know, there's this moment where we just have this tendency to justify our actions. Uh, this week I had that opportunity. Um, uh, while I was on my sabbatical, and, you know, there were several things I was doing for the, uh, you know, just to kind of, spiritually take care of myself and then that, there were some things I was learning books I was reading those types of things one of the things I was going to do or one thing I did was I met with a church staff uh, of a different church just to learn from them spent the day there and so as I, I drove to that city uh, had to be there early drove there to that city what I didn't know in that city that I now know is they have these things called cameras on stoplights yeah and so as I uh, got there, I had to be there early in the morning, so it was 7 a.m. when I was riding through this city. And uh, Pam gloatfully brings me this letter and says, well, you got a letter from the city of where I was at. And I opened it up. Sure enough, it's a, it's a ticket for running a red light. Well, it, you know, or a, um, a, um, what, a performance award for running a, a red light. Uh, so... I, um, I look at it and I was like, I didn't run a red light. But I was like, oh yeah, I, I had to go to the restroom. I had to get to, the, I was trying to get to the Starbucks to get another cup of coffee and return the one I had. And so I was quickly going, I, you know, this is the reason I needed to do this, da, 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 da. There's, it's in black and white. In fact, I paid the, paid the fine. You can go online, so I paid the fine because I know myself that I'd forget it. And that's the last thing I need is a bench warrant for me uh, in another city. So I went online and paid for it. And sure enough, it's got the video that when you get ready to pay it, it's got the video showing me going through the red light. And I was like, I don't remember that being red when I went through that. Uh, so anyway, but I could justify myself. Now I'm not going to ask you if you justify yourself because I know we all do in some ways. We justify ourselves when something doesn't work. Uh, when, when children, students, we justify ourselves when we make a bad grade. Well, the teacher didn't cover that in the, the exam prep. We justify ourselves when we go back for that second or third piece of cake. Uh, we justify ourselves in all sorts of things. But not only do we justify ourselves, we have this tendency in us to say, it's not my fault. I didn't do it. it it's somebody else's fault. This morning in the, in the book of James, we're going to continue in our series and we're going to look there at the verses 12 through 18. And James is going to talk about temptation. And what I want you to understand right up front is it is your fault when it comes to temptation. It's just like it was my fault for running that red light. It's our fault 
But there is a way that we can survive. There's a way that we can uh, persevere over temptation. So if you have your Bibles and you're at James chapter 1, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word? Verses 12 through 18. Blessed is the one who endures trials because he has stood the test. He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. Since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and is enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desires has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Let's pray together. Father, in the next few minutes, would you just speak to us? Remind us just how good you are. And how you seek to have a plan and a purpose for our life. How you want what's best. Teach us now. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Big idea this morning is, is simply this. Spiritual perseverance is possible when a believer understands their, their nature and God's nature. Let's say that again. Spiritual perseverance is possible when a believer understands their nature and God's nature. James is writing there, and last week we talked about trials and how we should count it joy when we face trials. This week he, 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 we, we look and he moves into a conversation about temptations. And really the, the thing about persevering temptations, you have to understand God and you have to understand you. So let's begin by understanding you. When we understand ourselves, we understand that, that we come to a place in our life that we're all sinners. We're needing to be saved. That there's something inside of us that needs to be rectified. That we are, by nature, people who want to put the blame on someone else. I, I didn't run that stoplight. That stoplight turned red before I... After I got under it. You know, we want to put the blame someplace else. The teacher didn't give us what we needed. But the truth of the matter is, we are to blame. That when you understand who you are, you understand that there's a lot inside you. That, that causes you to want to have desires and those desires lead you astray. Those desires lead you down a path that, that is disruptive. You talk to an addict. And an addict will tell you that it is their fault after they come to a place and realize it. But up until then, an addict will say, I don't have a problem. There's no, no problem with me. I can stop at any time. But the truth of the matter is they cannot stop. That they have this desire, but that desire continues to take so much control of their life. Many of you remember Robin Williams. He was the actor 
uh, Mork and Mindy. Uh, he's done several movies, those types of things. And August 11th in 2014, he took his life. He admitted he had been addicted to cocaine for a number of years, called it the devil's dandruff. It was one of those things that, that it just couldn't escape. But one other addiction he had was alcohol. And in 2006, he put himself into a rehab center because he had been sober for 20 years. Hadn't had, a, hadn't had any issues for 20 years. And then all of a sudden, that addiction crept up and began to be a problem. He told Diane Sawyer in an interview, he said, nothing has caused this. There's no effect in my life. There's nothing that's changed. He said, but this thing lives inside me. And it just waits. It waits because it wants you to think you're okay. Addiction wants you to think you're, you're okay. You don't have a problem. And then all of a sudden, it rears its head. And he said, when it does, you begin to fall in. And next thing you know, you wake up and you didn't realize you were in Cleveland. Addiction has that way. Temptation has that same way. We're all tempted. It's the matter of how are we wrestling with it? Do we understand that we're tempted? Do we understand what, what causes us to be tempted? Do we deal with that temptation in the right way? Let me tell you a couple things about temptation. That you are the, both the agent and the victim of your desires. You're both the agent and the victim of your desires. Now here's what I mean by that. We all have a want and a desire. We want to be happy. We want nice things in life. We have this agent that inside us that wants these desires. And sometimes these desires are not healthy. Sometimes they're, they're addictions that lead us down the wrong path. Addiction to pornography, addiction to, to other things, to alcohol, drugs. But then there are, there are desires that, that we, we deem as okay in the right way. For example, everybody wants to be loved. We, we all want love and somebody to love us. And so sometimes that desire for love leads us to do things we should never do outside of marriage. But what happens is that desire for that love leads us down a path and we're willing to, to break our, our moral compass to do the things we know is wrong. Not until marriage. Why? Because our desire is so great. So we are the agent of our our desires but then we're the victim we're the victim because when we give up or when we give in and things go south it was our desire that we wanted it was the desire to be in love but we didn't expect it we didn't expect him or her to run out on us now we have a house to split now we have things to divide now we have a child. Now I, I don't, I had this addiction to lust and now it's cost me my marriage. It's cost me my life. We are the agent and the victim of our desires. We want that. We desire that. 
But it causes us to go down a path that we begin to justify our actions. The second thing about our desires is you constantly are facing temptations. Constantly facing temptations. Every one of us has those things that we're tempted over. Now some are greater than the others. Some, some cause us pain. Some cause us just weight gain. Some cause us uh, friendship. Some cause us heartache. But we all have we all have are facing temptation. And, and let's be honest. We face temptation from the cradle to the grave. There's mo- no moment that you stop being tempted. As a child, you're tempted because you want these things in the store. You want, to, you want mom and dad to buy you something and mom and dad are saying no. And you think, oh, I'll just put it in my pocket and I'll take it home. You're tempted. That temptation is there. As we grow older, we face those temptations. We, we face temptations to think things like, I'm not sure how things are going to, to go in life. And so I need to take care of myself. I need to withhold uh, what I've been giving to God because I don't know how the economy is going to go. I don't know how things are going. And what happens is we give in to our desires and we stop trusting the God who has provided and who's cared for us for so long. We're always facing temptations. That temptation to say, I, uh, the church, you know, I, I, I just can't do it. It reminds me of the story of the, of the lady who called the, uh, at Thanksgiving the hotline for the butterball turkeys. You, I've told this, this story. She called in and had this turkey in her freezer. She called and said, how, how long is a turkey good for? It's been in her freezer over 15 years. And Butterball said, well, ma'am, it's, it's good. I mean, if it's been frozen, although we don't suggest you, you eat it, that's what I thought. I'll just give it to the church. <laughs> See, sometimes what we decide is we'll, our temptations lead us to take care of ourselves and not what God has asked us to do. Our, our desires are wanting to be, take care of me. God says, I've taken care of you. You've known that. And yet you neglect me. The third thing we find out about our desires is you can be carried away by temptations. You can get carried away by them. Because the moment, and we'll see this in just a second in the text, that once we fall down those lines, it begins to snowball. It's like a lie. Have you ever had to tell a lie? And then... You know, if you told a lie, then you had to, somebody ask you about it, well, now I have to add to it because i got to make it believable. And the next thing you know, you've got this whole story going on. That's not even true. And you feel bad, but not bad enough to confess. And so you continue. Temptation has its way of doing that. So the second thing I want you to understand is you understand you, now understand temptations. Understand temptations. James gives us a perfect picture here of what temptation does in our life. He he gives us this, he paints us this picture that that tells us just what temptation can do and how it has this effect on you. And so let me share that. Temptation leads to desires. 
Temptation leads to desires, and we see this in the text as James begins to unfold this. Now, let's understand, temptation in itself is not wrong. Temptation in itself is not wrong. We are all tempted. Jesus was tempted. You remember when he went 40 days in the wilderness and was tempted. Jesus never sinned. Temptation is not a sin. Giving into temptation leads to sin. And so what we have to understand is when we face our temptations will lead us to, to a desire. And then desire leads us to deception. Desire will then lead us to a deception. Now understand this. What happens is when you begin to desire something so bad, you begin to justify your actions. You begin to think, oh, it's okay. I can do this. Oh, it won't hurt if I go down this path. Oh, it's, it's not that big of a deal if I do this, is it? And all of a sudden, your desires are leading you to a deception. You, you know the truth. You know what you shouldn't do and what you should do. I, I, I desire to get a, get a good grade in this class. That desire, that desire was so great at times that I had this little piece of paper that I had been studying on with the answers. And I just left it sitting where I could take a peek if I had to. See, that desire leads me to deception, thinking it's okay if I just, I mean, it's not like I'm pulling it out going on every answer. Just enough. It, it's, it's not like the government's going to come get me on my income tax. It's, it's not like my boss will ever miss these items missing from the supply room. It's not like my boss ever checks his bank account to know that I've taken something. It's not like my wife follows me on her phone to know that I'm at my ex-girlfriend's house. It's not like my husband will ever know that I'm spending a little extra time over here. Desire leads to deception. Deception leads to disobedience. Deception is going to lead to disobedience. Because what's going to happen is you're going to come to a place in your life where the desire is so great that you're going to, that you're going to be deceived. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're going to move down this path and you're going to get to disobedience. And it's real simple. Temptation has a way to lead you down this path so that you go down path but you don't realize that you're going down that path it has a way of impacting you subtly to the point that you're so far down the hole that you don't realize you're there several years ago in a different church I had two students in our student ministry now, they were active their parents were active in the church the parents enjoyed uh, things together they they vacation together they did different things together and all of a sudden the father of one family and the mother of the other fell into a desire that led them down to a deception that led them to disobedience
And before you knew it, they were in a relationship. It had been going on secretively for some time until a friend found out and, and said, you all have to confess to what you're doing. In their confession, their confession was simply that we're in love. The mother told her three children, don't you want me to be happy? Don't you, don't you want your mother to be happy? See, desire had led them to deception, to disobedience. James is very clear here in the text that tells us that that's what happens. But notice what he says will happen to us. In verse 13, or 15, he says, After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Here's what I want you to catch. Disobedience leads to death. Leads to death. Now you go, wait a second. Death? Yes, death. It's been the plan since the very beginning. God's had this in place. When you continue down the, the path of sin, it will lead you to death. Let me show it to you. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, 17 says, But if you must... You, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day that you eat from it, you will certainly what, church? Die. You will certainly die. Death. Now you go, wait a second. It's not a physical death. No. It's a spiritual death. It's a death spiritually that begins to separate you and God to the point where you become nothing in God's eyes because you're addicted to the things of this world not to God so do you know and understand your heart do you know what temptations you fall into greed lust do you, do you know what drives you Gossip? Do you know the things that cause you to stumble and fall? Do you know the way temptation has a control on you? Listen, I've known people that who I just couldn't be around. Not that I didn't love them, not that, well, I didn't love them, but not that I didn't care about them or want to be around them, but their heart and their attitude would begin to rub off. And their heart and their attitude towards things were not godly you have to know that and so you have to begin to prepare yourself as a church do we understand what we're tempted what our heart and our desire is what our responsibility is <laughs> I got to thinking about this this morning um, you've seen the bumper sticker God is my co-pilot right and, and, you know, it's, it, I understand what they're trying to say, but it's poor theology. Because if God is your co-pilot, if that's how you see God, then you might as well give up. Because God doesn't sit in second chair to anybody. He wants to be your pilot. He wants to be the one in control. And so do you understand that? Do you understand where your heart is and 
what temptation does, put God in the right spot. Well, let's understand who God is. Understand God. Last week we, we looked at the first 12 verses and we, we came to a place where we recognize that there are moments in our lives that we face trials and those trials are there to either change us or to strengthen us. And so when we understand God, the first thing I want you to understand is God will, will try you. There will come a point, God will put you on trial. There'll be a trial, a, a try in your life. But understand this, he's not trying to break you. He's not trying to, to end you. He's trying to correct you or he's trying to teach you. We covered that last week. And so if you need to go back on our website, you can catch that message. But, but God will try you. Understand that. But here's the thing I want you to catch. God will not tempt you. He will not tempt you. There comes a place in your life, he's not going to tempt you. He's not, he doesn't come to a place to say, I want to tempt you and see how, how, you, how far you'll go. See, temptation means I want to change you, I want to break you, I want to bring you down. God doesn't desire that for your life. God doesn't want to see you broken or brought down. He wants to see you make much of him. Look at verse 13 of our text. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. Justification, right? I didn't do it, it's God. Since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt who, church? Anyone. God will try us because he needs to teach us. He will not tempt us because he doesn't do that. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us exactly what God's plan is or what God desires for us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Catch that. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a hope. Plans to give you a future. Does that sound like a God who wants to break you and end you? No. So we need to understand who God is. God is one of these gods who, who loves us. Who desires much for us. Who wants to see the best for us. So we have to understand you understand temptation, understand God, and then fourthly, understand God's power. God's power. At this moment, we, once we understand that God desires the best for us, let's understand his power. James, James helps us understand this, helps us clearly understand that, that God not only loves us, but he has given us uh, the, the ability to succeed. And so let me give you some things here that happen while understanding God's power. You understand God is your source. God is your source. And the text tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above. God is our source. 
He is the one who provides. He's the one who's giving us the good things in life. He is the one who's taking care of us when we are hurting. He is the one who's leading us in those moments. He's the one that helps us. He's our source. The question is, are we going to the source when, when we're being tempted? Are we going to the source when we need help? Or are we trying to do it on our own? The second thing we, we learn in our text is God is constant. He's constant. He's constant. The text tells us what does not change like the shifting shadows. I am so grateful God does not change. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews 13, 8 tells us. That God does not change. The God who, who saved you is the God who loves you today. The God who went to the cross goes for all people. He loves all people. Now understand, God's character, there, there's a lot to understand about God's character. He, he is love, he is grace, he's mercy, but he's also just, and he's also jealous. And so we have to understand those things. And so we, we understand that he's constant. He gives grace, but thirdly, he gives grace. We see that in this text. Notice what the, the text tells us there. By his choice, by his choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth. It's nothing I did. It's nothing you did. You could try to live a morally right life and still go to hell. You could, you could be the terror of town. You could break all the rules, date all the married women, chase after all the married men, and come to know Christ and find yourself in heaven. Why? Because he loves us. And if you recognize it was by his choice, responding to him and him alone, You understand grace. You understand grace. And then fourthly, what I'd say there is God can break our cycle. God can break our cycle. Look with me again at verse 18. James uses this analogy of birth. Um, he, he told us in verse 15, when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Verse 18, by his choice he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creation. So there's two births here in this text. The first birth understands that our desires when we fall into that temptation, when we begin to be disobedient, when we continue down that path, it leads to the birth of death, a spiritual death. But God can break that cycle. It is only God that's going to break that cycle in your life. 
And it's through the birth of Christ on a cross for your sins and for my sins. And that birth leads us to be the kind of first fruits creation, he said. You think, well, what's that mean? In the Old Testament, we find where you were to give your first fruits. It was to give your, your first. It was to dedicate what you had to the Lord. It's to, to acknowledge that this is from him. And it was the start of a process in which God was going to bless as you gave your first fruits. When we come to know Christ, he changes us. From the inside out, we become that first fruits in that this is God's going to make a new me. God's going God's to do a work in me. I'm giving myself over to him. He's going to do something remarkable in me that I can't do for myself. He's going to take over. James paints this picture for us about temptation. And just these verses, he, he lays it out pretty, pretty strongly that we are the reason of sin. Can't put it off on anybody else. Our eyes wander. Our minds go down the wrong path. We turn at the wrong driveway. We take the things from the office. So it's our hands that we carry it out. It's us. And as long as we live in sin, that will be who we are. And there'll be a spiritual death. But you want to break that, you turn yourself over to Christ. You turn yourself over to Christ and let him make the change in you that only he can make. One of the things our family has enjoyed uh, this summer is just watching baseball. Although my son's ready for, for football, he's, he's, he had me print off two schedules this week for, for the NFL football. I'm like, college football, son? He, no, dad, NFL. He, uh, but we've been watching baseball. And it's been interesting to watch baseball and, and pay attention to batters. And I don't know if you ever pay attention in baseball, but there are moments in a baseball career where a batter will just lose his... He'll just lose his swing. Might have been a, a, a 300, 350 average batter, and, and the next 10 games can't hit a ball. Well, there's a, there's a way that you, you fix that. You fix that by coming up with the right routine. In fact, a couple of years ago, I was watching the College World Series softball game, and one of the softball teams, uh, forget which one, had brought in this, this person to help their girls prepare themselves to, to go into the batter's box. In fact, it was interesting. I watched that, that team a couple of times. Each girl walked to the, to the plate and had their own routine to get their heart, their mind, and their body ready for the pitch. Some, some would some would do a certain thing with their hands. Some would, would do something in the box with their feet. Each one had a routine. And in Major League Baseball, they will tell a batter who's, who's struggling, get back to the right routine. Listen, that, that's advice for us as the church and for us as believers. 
If we want to overcome and survive temptation, we have to have the right routine in place. We have to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. We have to have our minds set in the right place. We have to have a heart willing to acknowledge our sinfulness and ask for help. Maybe you're here today and you've been going and dealing with temptation way too long. Maybe the problem is you, you've not been going at it with the right thought process of asking God to work and, and to put a system in your heart so that you will deal with it when it comes up so that it never becomes a desire that you nip it in the bud as Barney Fife says that you come and you deal with it maybe you're here this morning and you've been living a good life but you've not been living for Jesus you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today may be that day maybe there's another decision on your heart to join our church family whatever the case may be I'll be here would you just come I'll pray with you we can ask God what he wants us to do. Would you stand with me?